Good morning, Kansas City. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm here every Sunday morning talking about the mountain side of sports and love doing this show with you. We take your calls and get into discussions about mindsets, attitudes, sportsmanship, self-confidence, winning and losing, mental preparation, visualization, you name it, we talk about these topics on this show. Our shows are podcasted everywhere on my website, winnersunlimited.com, and all the main apps. And uh, on SoundCloud, I'm finding, actually, we've had thousands of listens to. I found, just looked the other day, I'm just sort of 300,000 listens to on podcasts on SoundCloud. So it's amazing. Uh, and all over the world, sort of interesting to see all the different countries where people listen to these shows. But love doing this show every week and talking with you about the mental side of sports. And I've been in practice. I'm in my 42nd year of work. Very fortunate to have worked with so many great people, great teams throughout my career, and love doing my work. Because uh, I got into, <clears throat> got into this profession uh, because I guess when I grew up playing tennis, I choked a lot under pressure. And if I'd known the things I know now when I played back in high school and my college years, I would have been a heck of a lot better. So I, I enjoy working with people and talking about how to deal with pressure, how to deal with expectations. You know, expectations, a big, big word with a large meaning. You know, when it, when you go into a comp- competition, a contest, a game, as a fan, you go to watch your team, you have expectations. Like here in Kansas City, for example, we have interesting extremes with the Chiefs being so great right now and the Royals being so terrible. Sporting KC was awful at the beginning of the year, then they went on a winning streak, and now they've lost again a couple games. Kansas City Current won last night. Congratulations to them. They're starting to get all their injured players back, starting to play better. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the second half of the season which I predict they will do a lot better. But winning and losing are what I want to get at today. And I'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts. How do we teach winning? How do we teach losing? And what have we learned from them? And which do we learn the most from? I personally think that we learn more from losing, or you can learn more from losing. I know with all the teams I've worked with, all the organizations I've worked with, the individuals, what I found is, when you keep winning, sometimes you take things for granted. And eventually, when you lose, that gets exposed. But if you lose all the time, it's going to force you, I think, to look at yourself and try to understand your strengths and weaknesses, mindsets, attitudes, all those types of things. And I think we learn more from losing than we do from winning. I mean, you learn both, but I'd like to open up our phone lines early today on the show and get your thoughts. If you're a coach, what do you teach your team? How do you teach your team when they win or lose? Either way, you start winning games. What I think is sometimes you take things for granted. And when you're losing games consistently, what I find is you start to get frustrated with yourself with your teammates, with the players, with the coaches, with everybody. 
and it goes across the board. So I find it interesting when I've, I've worked with teams who lost quite a bit. And it was interesting in locker rooms to watch how the teams reacted, the frustrations that came out, the tensions that come out, the finger pointing that would come out, because it's inevitable that happens. And when you're winning, you know, that stuff's masked. You don't see it because everybody's happy because we won the game. But underneath, there's a lot of that frustration. I want to open up our phone lines and get your thoughts. Our phone number is, as always, you know, it's 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. If you're a coach, you know, I always like to hear from coaches on this show. And I don't care if you're coaching seven-year-olds or coaching teenagers or coaching adults. Nor do I care if it's, it's men or women, girls or boys, or what the sport when you're coaching and your team keeps losing, what do you say? What do you say to them to try to get them out of that rut? What do you say to them to try to get them motivated in a positive way? And what happens when the expectations early on were so great and things aren't met? So if you're a coach, I'd love to hear from you. If you're an athlete, I'd love to hear from you. How do you how do you handle failure and losing? And when it consistently happens to you, how do you overcome it? It's not easy, and it's frustrating. If you're a fan, you're a sports fan, you're you're a big fan. If you're a Royals fan right now. How are you handling the way the teams played? And let's face it, they've been up, they've been terrible. They have second worst record in baseball. I know they've gone down to Tampa Bay and won a couple of games here against the best team in baseball, which goes to show you anybody can beat anybody in any given night. Jordan Lyles, who was 0-11, 0-11, he won last night for the first time. I mean, how do you think? You know, I'd I'd love to sit down and talk to him. And see how he's handled this. You know, he signed a free agent contract with the Royals, came in here with expectations. He's a solid pitcher. And basically, he's, he's been terrible. 0-11. CRA's been really high. But, you know, he goes out there every time it starts. I'm sure, I've never met him, but I'm sure he goes out there with, with a good attitude, the right perspective. But, you know, when you when things start going poorly... Because I've worked with so many major league pitchers, being a sports psychologist with the Royals for five years, and working with a number of pitchers, the frustration mounts quickly, and then the expectations start to go out the window about doing well, and you start feeling, oh, I'm going to suck today. I'm not going to be any good. Here we go again. It's that same thing. So when you're a coach, how do you how do you get the athlete out of that negativity? One of the things I think, you have to go back down to basics and, and see, I have a saying, foe versus four. FOE versus FOR. FOR is focus on results. FOE is focus on effort. One of the chiefs who I've worked with for the last several years, I have his Super Bowl jersey in my office and he wrote on there, FOE in big letters. We talk about it all the time during the week 
as we talk about our, his performance and preparation for the next game. FOE is focus on effort. FOR is focus on results. And what I find is so many people concentrate on their results. And when they're not there, they get frustrated. When they don't do well, they get more frustrated. And then the losing and the negativity comes out. There's a golfer I worked with several years ago. And he was playing in a big tournament in California as a, a collegiate golfer. What ended up happening was he's leading the third day of this tournament. With There were 16 teams. He was a golfer from the Midwest. He's playing on the West Coast all these, against all these West Coast teams. He's up by two strokes going into the 16th hole, which is a par three. Playing great. His coach is sitting in the golf cart. Coach is a former PGA player. Sitting in the golf cart up on the by the, the tee box, and he says, hey, don't hit it in the trap everybody else did on the team. Well, guess what happens? Plunks it in the trap. Chips out of the trap, over the green, into the trap, behind the, tr- the green. Chips out of the green, rolls off the front. He ends up triple bogeying the hole. Loses the tournament by one stroke. Came into my office the next day. They flew back. He was furious. He, I mean, he, he was just blasting his coach. And after I let him you know, go on for about three or four minutes, I said, okay, let me ask a question. Why were you listening to him? You're playing great. Everything's going well. And what was going through your mind? Well, when I get, I'm about to hit, I'm thinking, that sand trap. Well, plunked it in there. Good visualization. He visualized the trap. It went in there. <clears throat> so we worked on this. And so one of the things, he's, things that he thinks about a lot when he plays is his score. So I challenged him as he moved into the summer. He's playing a tournament down in Oklahoma. And I said, all right, let, let's, let's do an experiment here. And I know this is really hard if you're a golfer not to think about your score. But I said, I don't want you thinking about your score. Just focus on the next shot, the next shot, the next shot. And he called me after the first round. He shot 68, 120 players in this tournament. I said, okay, what, when did you think about your score? He said, when I made the turn, I shot 30. I thought, oh, wow, I'm a 34. And then I said, wait, I can't think about it. I didn't think about it again until the end. She's a 67. He ended up winning the three-day tournament. And he told me that changed his career because he wasn't thinking about winning or losing, success or failure, just focused on his effort. And I found if you want to overcome failure and losing, one of the most important parts of that is focus on your, your effort or execution that you could stand for execution as well. What's the next shot like? What's the next play like? What am I doing? Too often, I find athletes at the professional level, especially, getting so frustrated when something doesn't go right. Now, I get it. When you fail, when you lose, when you screw up, you're going to get frustrated and you get stuck on that. So what I try to get people to do when I work with them, work with a team, work with individuals, Let's focus on the effort. How are, how are you playing? What, what are, what's the aspect of your game that you need to improve on and get better at? 
and start to focus on that. Don't focus on the score, the numbers, the results. Focus on how you're feeling with what you're doing. And I found throughout my career that that really helps. So when you're not doing well, when you're losing, when you're failing, one of the things I think you need to do is go back to basics, go back to execution, go back to the things you do well at, and that can help you get out of that rut. But I'd like to hear from you. Like I said, if you're a coach, when your team is not performing well, they're failing, they're losing, they're not succeeding, however you want to look at it. How do you work with them to get out of that negativity? Our phone number is always 913-3810-810. No one's called up yet. Love to hear from you. Let's get some calls in here. If you're a coach, I'd love to hear from you. If you're an athlete, if, I don't care what the sport is. You could be a bowler. You could play darts, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, tennis, golf, bowling. That doesn't matter. When you're not doing well, when you're failing, when you're losing, what do you say to yourself? What do you do to change that? Years ago when I worked with the Royals, we had our starting pitcher, who was our, our, one of our best, if not the best pitcher probably, on the team. We're down watching him warm up down in the bullpen watching him warm up and he had been he'd been really doing great in his workouts that week and went down to the bullpen watching him work you know warm up and he was throwing smoke i mean he was just on comes into the game it was close to a sellout crowd sunday afternoon real hot mid-august Gets the first guy out. Next guy, it was really windy. Next guy hits a check swing. And the ball ends up going out for a home run. And I, I just watched him on the mound. His, his, his body language, his head hung down. He shook his head. Ends up giving up another run that inning. Comes into the dugout. And I would be underneath the dugout. Comes back to me. He's all frustrated, angry, ticked off. And I looked at him and I said, listen. What do you think you did there? That's great. He goes, well, that home run just, it just, I'm throwing heat. I'm throwing smoke. I was, I was on. And then check swing home run. Really? It just got me down. I said, well, then where were your focus? He goes, I was so angry that I lost my focus and I, you know, ended up giving up another run. And I challenged him right there to not do that. To focus on the next pitch, that's when and I like to use initials, TNP, the next pitch. I said, it's the next pitch, the next pitch. Well, he ended up pitching great, came out in the, I think, seventh or eighth inning, didn't give up another run. Because he wasn't focusing on the negativity and the losing and the failure. He was focusing on his execution. All right, our phone number here is 913 I want to go to our first break this morning. I want to hear from you. If you're a coach, you're an athlete. How do you overcome negativity and failure? What do you do when things aren't going your way? Mentally, psychologically, emotionally, where's your head at? What do you do? If you're a coach, I'd like to hear from you and find out from you. Okay, I'd like to find out from you what you tell your team when they're not doing well. 
What do you say? How do you get them out of that rut? 913-3810-810 is our number. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello again, everybody. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City. And today's topic is this. How do you handle winning and losing success and failure? If you're a coach, you're an athlete. You know, I've talked this first segment about losing. What happens when you lose or you fail? It becomes contagious. It becomes an epidemic in your mind. And it's really hard to overcome that because all you think is, I suck, I'm terrible, I can't do it. Here it goes again. When you're a coach and your team keeps losing... What do you say? If you're, you're the Royals manager right now, what do, you, what do you think he's saying to the players? You know, it's interesting in, in all the years I worked in Major League Baseball, you don't, you don't see lots of team talks. They don't happen very often. Individual talks happen all the time. The players work with their position coaches a lot, but you rarely, you rarely have the big team talk. And when the team's not playing well, at some point, that may come about. But failure, losing, negativity is so contagious. And what happens is the finger pointing starts at yourself often, as well as at other people. So I'd love to hear, but like I said, if you're a coach, when you, your team keeps losing and failing, what do you do? What do you say? How do you overcome it? If you're an athlete, what about yourself? Our phone number is 913 913- Three eight ten eight ten. Love to hear from you. Now today, I'm lucky enough to have the Drake as my engineer, the board operator, the man in charge, the guy who runs WHB. Without him, this station would not be around. He's shaking his head, looking at me through the glass. But that's the truth. I'm, I'm kind of the the duct tape. Uh, you know <laughs> but, what? But you, you were talking about the, these team talks. It reminded me. Of you know the the, the Royals had the, the couple year stretch where they were so good, and just before they got good, Raul Abanez came back to the Royals for his second stint on the team, and he was kind of the twenty fifth guy on the roster, but he kind of laid into the guys after a game one night and said, "Look, I've been playing for other teams, and they hate playing you because they know how good you are, and you're just not playing like it." And and that really resonated with the team, and they were able to find the confidence just knowing that their cohorts, uh, their uh, the, the people on other teams, opponents, yeah, opponents felt like they were really really good. And suddenly, once they knew that their opponents, who they respected, respected them, then they were able to play up to their ability. And I always just thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I recall that. You're right, and and he. You know, as a veteran, he'd been around, he's seen the ups and downs, and so he understood, you know, what was going on, and he confronted the team about that, and, and, it, and it woke them up. I know uh, it happened, like last night, the, the Kansas City Current won 2-1 to one down in Orlando, and Kristen Hamilton, who is a, is a really great player, she's been injured until about the last three or four games, all year, she's come back, and she's she's been a spark to the team. And she had a little talk with the team beforehand, basically saying the same thing. You know, look, we're good, but we haven't played that way. 
we need to start looking at ourselves, you know, and, and, and look inside ourselves. And I know when I when I talk, I walk, work with the team individually with a lot of players, and we talk about that. What are you doing? You know, the great, the greatest example, I think, in sports history here in this town happened just a few years ago. And I want to get your thoughts on this. When the Chiefs are playing the Texans in the first game of the playoffs, and, you know, people know I go to all the games. I work with a lot of players there. And been going to Chiefs games since the first game I ever played. I've got the program from game one. I've got Super Bowl one information. I was there for that. And it's always been fun working with a lot of these guys. And first quarter, we're down 24 nothing. You know, there was a, there was a, the first touchdown by Houston was a bro- broken play. Wide open, uh, I think it was DeAndre Hopkins. Anyway, scores a touchdown. Then there's a, a blocked punt at the goal line, a fumble punt at the goal line. Boom, boom, Houston scores 27, uh, 21. Then they kick the field goal. It's 24 nothing. Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. He's not down. He's not He's not down the dumps. He's telling guys, hey, come on, next play, next play. Let's focus on what we're doing here. Before you knew it, it's 41-24. Four Houston scores again. It was 20, was it 27-24 at halftime, I believe. 41-24. Chiefs end up winning. You know, they were behind the next game against Tennessee. They were behind in San Francisco. Came back and won. Because Mahomes' focus is, I've never met him. I'd love to sit and talk to him. It is on executing. Execution, execution, execution. And that's why they did well. I'm going to get your thoughts on that. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so easy to fall into the pattern of, here we go again. Because the, the Chiefs had, what, 30 years of playoff misery i was believe me i saw almost all of them yeah so, yeah. It's, so it's easy to just go oh we thought this was the year and oh it's happening again but like, like i said mahomes was able to Mahomes and some other guys were able, were able to just say no come on we, we can we can we can score on this next drive and then we'll get the ball back and then we'll score on the next drive let's keep going and, execution yeah and, and you know, once you stop moving forward, you stop moving forward. And he, he, you know, he and this team in general really seem to want to just keep moving forward. I mean, when the Patriots beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl, same thing. I think they were they they, they were down some like what I, I can't recall, but it was it was terrible. They were a down huge collapse from Atlanta, twenty-seven nothing or something like that at halftime. They came back because Brady's mindset was the same thing. You know, you you see it. So often, I mean, look at KU against uh, uh, North Carolina in the NCAA championship a yep. year and a half ago. Down, four, I think it's 14 or 16 points at halftime. Didn't bother him. You know, the whole point. I mean, and Chiefs fans love it when I say this one. You know, I work with Nick Lowry for the last 14 years he played. He was my co-host here on the show for, for a number of years. Came into town and, and, and did it from Scottsdale with me. The worst personnel decision the Chiefs ever made, in my opinion, was getting rid of him, because I'm a little bit biased, and signing Lynn Elliott. You know, everybody in town knows that. But in in that loss against Indianapolis, where he missed all three kicks, Al Wallace of Channel 4 interviewed him after the game. He, you know, he missed a 19-yarder, I think a 19-yarder was one of the kicks he missed. And Lynn Elliott's sitting, you know, facing his locker, and Al was next to him and puts the microphone and says, what were you thinking on that last kick? He said, I was trying not to be negative. Well, 
you were trying not to be what you ended up being. Because it's, 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 uh, it's like the old, whatever you do, don't think about pink elephants. Well, you're going to think about pink elephants. I haven't heard that one. Okay. Do you want to talk about that, Chase? Anyway. No, but when you get into that, it, 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 that's the thing about losing and failure. It, it is so strong mentally, psychologically, emotionally, that you think about that all the time. So, you know, I think we've, we've given some examples here of where an athlete like, you know, Patrick Mahomes obviously is a unique person. And, you know, like I said, I've never met him. He seems like a wonderful person. The, the, the players I've worked with said he's a great teammate, down-to-earth guy, talks to everybody in the locker room, good person, does a lot of community work here in town, obviously. But he's learned somewhere along the way, probably back when he was younger with a major league baseball player for a father that you know what you just keep playing you don't focus on the score you don't focus on the result you focus on your effort and i think that's how you overcome negativity once again our phone number here is 913-3810-810 no one's called in today about this i thought it'd be a great topic to talk with you about because it happened you know we all we all fail and screw up so the drake you you've been here forever You've you've seen all these teams come and go. What do you think? Because you, you, you're an insider in a lot of ways here. What do you notice when a team is losing consistently? What do you see in the players' mindsets and attitudes and and what their expectations become? Well, you know, I, I do the Royals Club uh, post game stuff uh, on after Sunday games. I go out and I, I get the I get the sound and whatnot, and it is so different when the team it's it's different when the team is winning, and it's different when the team has just won, and it's different when they've just lost, and it's different when they're losing. You know, if if it's a if it's a good team. They just won a game. Oh my gosh! It is a celebration in there. Music's playing in the oh, locker. Oh, yeah. Everybody's out. Oh, yeah, I, I, if, I know. If, if if they just won the game, you know, there's there's some some activity. If they lost the game, but they're a good team, you know, there's it's it's very businesslike. Yeah, um, but, yeah. but but if they're a losing team and they just lost. It is just depressing, soul, soul crushing. It's to be depressing in there. in there. Now, some sometimes, like right now, Grinky has his kids in there a lot, and the kids are running around, and and they really, I think it's great to have them in there. They're really lightening the mood, and and they they help things out. And I kind of wonder, you're talking about Mahomes being the the son of a of a major leaguer. I wonder how much time he spent in clubhouses like that, and and got that sense, and you know, if he's learned to redirect that. And, you know, focus that. I, I wonder if that's part of it. You know, we, we learn as we grow up about winning and losing success and failure. It could be in sports. It could be in school. It could be in the arts. Whatever you do, I've never met anybody who succeeds at everything. No. I mean, it doesn't, you know. But it's interesting. When I, I work with lots of teenagers, in my office and the first set the way it works the first session i have i'll meet with the parent or parents first whoever brings them and then the second part of the session we bring in the, the athlete and talk with them and almost always it, it, it's almost across the board not with everybody about 95 percent of these these young people 
I'll ask them the question, you know, how, how are you doing? Where are you at with your playing? And, and how do you feel about your parents? And, and when we get to that, almost all of them say to me, I let them down. Of course, they're in my office to work on something. That's why they're there. But they'll say, you know, we, we, we go to all these games. They pay all this money from, for traveling and uniforms and come to see you and do all this. And I think I'm letting them down. And I've only had two times where this didn't have the parents say, you're not letting me down. I love you. I, I, yeah, I'd love to see you succeed. I don't care if if you're if you're failing screwing up. I don't care. It doesn't affect how I feel about. I mean, I I feel for you, but I'm not upset at you. I'm upset for you, but I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And it's interesting how often, you know, and, and some of these are. I mean, I'm talking about tough kids, boys and girls. They'll start crying. I feel like I've let you down. No, no, you're not letting us down. We want you to do better. That's why we're here. Work with Dr. Jacobs on this. But you're not letting us down. You know, we we want you to feel better about how you're doing. You know, and, and it's interesting how often that comes up. Because, you know, and, and, and you and I have known each other a long time. I've talked on this show forever about I think we start kids in organized sports way too early because, you know, four and five, we've got play out, you know, we've got teams playing in leagues. By the time they're 11 and 12, they don't want to do it anymore because everything's focused on, you've got to get better, you've got to do this, got to learn this skill. And by the time they're 11, so many, the, the, the statistics validate it. All these kids have quit playing sports because it's not fun anymore. You don't see, and here's the deal. I've talked about this forever on this show, and I want to get your, your opinion on this. You don't drive by a park, a school, and see a bunch of kids out there playing anymore. You rarely, rarely see Every once in a while you might. But it's always, they're always out there at an organized practice with parents telling them what to do. We don't give kids the opportunity to play and just go out and play and not be instructed on you you didn't swing the bat right you didn't catch the ball right your shooting form is off so what when you're seven go play have fun that's why so many kids are quitting sports at 11 and 12 and 13 it's not fun anymore they're tired of all the instruction they didn't get a chance just go play so what i'm concerned about and i'm I'm, i'll be 68 and a half this week give myself a little credit for that anyway I am concerned with a lot of kids, they don't have the opportunity to just create on their own. Everything's so structured. Well, let me hear from you on that one. Tell me what you think. Yeah, you know, we had, when I was a kid, we had, you know, T-ball and whatnot and, you know, machine pitch. And um, I think there was a flag football league. You know, I would hear about some other towns that played this soccer you know, because I grew up in a, a small little town in the seventies, um, but yeah, we would we would also go to the go to the park and and play ball on our own, and um, you know, well that tree's second base, and um, you know, we uh, I had a, a friend named Lance, and his backyard was the wiffle ball uh, you know field for the neighborhood, and we would go over there and play, and 
Uh, it was great, except for the wasp nest that was always underneath the deck, and all, they always seemed to find me. But those are some some of my maybe favorite. that maybe that explains some things. <laughs> maybe those those are some some of my favorite memories. Um, you know, my, my sons played wiffle ball in our backyard, just the two of them. But they never wanted to. Um, well, my older son had his own league uh, that he tried to put together with uh, with some of the kids in the neighborhood. But you know, for for baseball, but he would always have like three or four kids on a team, and that's just it's hard to do when you don't have uh, very many. Uh, but he tried to make it very organized himself with like uh you know he each player had their own walk up music that he would play out of a out of a little boom box and whatnot and he had a great time doing it um but yeah i don't even really see kids on the playground equipment all that often when i walk by the park they're just not there well right and and i think everything's so structured and organized now and and focused on you've got to do this you got to do that you know when you're not doing it what's wrong you know, that becomes an issue. All right. Winning and losing, how you handle success and failure. That's what I'm talking about today. No one's called in interesting enough. I guess everybody's succeeding today. That's good. But I know with my golf game, I'm not. I need to keep working on it. So I'd love to hear from you. If you're a coach and your team is consistently not playing well, how do you handle that? What do you tell them? How do you work with it? If you're an athlete and you're frustrated because you keep failing, screwing up, what do you do? How do you get out of that rut? 913-3810-810 is our number. Give me a call. Let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHP. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHP here in Kansas City. As I said, my shows are podcasted all over. Go to my website, winnersunlimited.com. Click on the podcast tab, or you can go to any of the major podcast apps. They're all over the place. And today's topic is this, winning and losing, success and failure, how to handle it. And I'd love to hear from you. 913-3810-810 is our number. 913-3810-810. If you keep losing, you keep failing, you keep screwing up, you can't get out of that rut, what do you do to change it? If you're a coach and your team just cannot, cannot, Get over that hump. <clears throat> Excuse me. They can't get out of that rut. What do you say to them? How do you work with them? Years ago, I got hired by the Kansas City Comets indoor soccer team. This is back in the mid-80s. And the owner hired me on Christmas Eve day. And then the head coach re- resigned the next day. The team was 2-9. and nine. Rick Ben-Ben, assistant coach, became the head coach. One of the best people I've ever known. Worked with Rick for years when he was at the Comets then at UMKC. Rick had no idea who I was, and we sat down. We talked, and he goes, hey, what, what do you want to do? I'm open to anything. Rick was the assistant coach, now the head coach. So I said, okay, what, we're, what I want to do is I want to have a team talk every 10 days and we're going to you know bring up different topics and all this and so you know the first time i'm in there and we had players from all over the world on this team and they're like looking at me like a shrink what's he what's he going to tell us 
Remember the movie The Natural where the guy said, losing is a disease. Well, you know, some of these guys are like, well, okay, what's this guy going to do? Well, we sat down and, and when I said, look, we were two and nine at the time. We won two games, lost nine. I said, that's that's over. That's done. We're zero and zero. Everything that's happened at this point is irrelevant. What do we have to do to get better? So we identified five lists, goals, team goals, team strengths, team weaknesses, team fears, team and team stressors. We made a list the first day. And I said, we're going to work on these things. And that's exactly what we did. Every 10 days, we worked on these topics. And eventually, the players bought into what we're doing. And we ended up that year making the playoffs, turned everything around, and won the first round of the playoffs against St. Louis Steamers and then lost to the San Diego Soccers, who ended up winning the whole, whole thing. But we discussed at length the end of the year in our, our meeting, actually, I, well, let me go back. We, we were playing the Tacoma Stars in the Tacoma, Washington. And we had our meeting that day. And we discussed, you know, if we won that night, we're going to, you know, clinch a playoff spot. And we just focused on the things we've been focusing on. Execution, confidence, communication skills. We ended up winning. And it, it, it was just a wonderful feeling to see how these guys had come back from the abyss of, of negativity to do this. You know, I've had Alan Mayer on my show, um, goalkeeper with Comets. Uh, he was the first guest on my very first show, and a couple of years ago came on when I started my 30th year. And we talked about these types of things. I mean, Alan's one of the best goalkeepers in American soccer history when he played. And he said, look, when you're, you're a professional athlete, you have survived all this stuff and you got to this point. But you've had to understand it's not always going to go right. And you can't get yourself too down in the dumps because if you do, you're going to stay there. You've got it. When, when you don't do well, you have to look at what am I doing that, that's keeping me from doing well. What do I have to do better and work on that? That's, that's, that's what athletes who overcome negativity and failure do. They're not afraid to look in the mirror. They're not afraid to ask themselves, what do I have to improve on? What do I have to get better at? And I think when you see any athlete who is failing, losing, screwing up, making mistakes, and they end up overcoming it, I think they've, they've taken the time to look at what they did wrong and change it. A couple years ago, Chiefs played Buffalo in the playoffs. Many people call it one of the greatest games in NFL history. The end of the first half, Harrison Bucker missed a 50-yard field goal right at, at halftime. If he'd made the kick... You know, Chiefs would have been ahead. Anyway, misses it. It just went wide right. If you recall, at the end of the game, over, you know, 13 seconds left, the pass to Tyreek Hill, the pass to Travis Kelsey, and Harrison came out and kicks a 49-yard field goal basically from the same place. Makes the kick. The game goes into overtime. And, of course, Chiefs won. 
after the game he was interviewed very interesting listening to to him talk and he has been a guest on the show a year year and a half ago he, he and, and Tommy Townsend the punter came on the show and talked about this well prior to this game but he said look at the end of the first half I missed that that kick it was it was a good kick but the wind blew it Right. And 50 yards out, there's wind. You know, Arrowhead Stadium's very windy place. He evaluated what went wrong, came in and kicks basically from the same spot at the end of the game. Makes the kick, the Chiefs win, or it goes to overtime, the Chiefs end up winning. So he's interviewed after the game, and his it was very interesting what he said. <laughs> I was just focusing on what I had to do to make that kick. I wasn't thinking about the score. I wasn't thinking about if I miss it, the season's over, we lose. If I make it, we go to overtime. I was focusing on what I would do to make the kick. And he makes it. He then, in the interview, was saying, you know, it wasn't until he's in the locker room after the game, <clears throat> when it hit him, wow, if I'd missed that kick, the season would have been over. Which, which I, I think shows how strong mentally he is. And, you know, it, it, you have to, as, as a professional athlete, you have survived youth sports, high school sports, and college sports. Jason, do you agree with that? I think you, you, you make it to the pros, you survived. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, you've, you're either one of the most physically gifted, uh, mentally gifted or both, and and the, the the players who are able to put the the bad stuff behind them and focus on what's happening next, and 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 focusing on the the goal and the effort, they're the ones that you you pair that with some skill, and they're the ones that are gonna gonna make it. And you know, you talk about the, the they talk a lot about players who are, uh, you know, as as they age, the the ability. The, the the knowledge of how to play the game is is going up while the the, the sk- physical skills are deteriorating and you get to that middle point um, you know a lot of times the, the the skill that you're talking about the ability to, to play the knowledge a lot of times that's the attitude yeah yeah well we're getting a caller here at the end of the show but we'll take this call but it it, it comes down to mindsets of, of, of vis- and this is where visualization is so important I've talked about visualization on the show forever. You've got to mentally prepare yourself before you go do what you're going to do and see it. And you want to see when it goes well and when it goes poorly. Have a mental game plan to deal with that. And that's what gives you the chance, I think, to end up succeeding down the road. But when you keep failing, keep losing, keep screwing up, what I find is is you know losing can become contagious in your mind. And so what ends up happening is... You just go down that road. All right, let's go to Jerry. Jerry, good morning. Thanks for thanks for calling in. Oh, we just lost Jerry there. Yeah, I'm here. There you go. Any comments for us, sir? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I told Drake a second ago that I heard someone, a, a ball player, speaking about using a sports psychologist last week, and I thought of you instantly because you're the only one I know by name, but... Um, what do you think about this Royals? What What's happening with their coaching where all of a sudden I've been watching this whole year and now they're in this eight-game stretch where they have won four and lost four. And for me, I think that's the first time this whole year that we've got to this point right here. And I'm really kind of 
I think Coach Q is going to be a really, really good coach for us. And they beat the best team in baseball. So what you're talking about, you know, is, I don't know, what is it that got the Royals back into the mode where they want to play and compete? I mean, it's it's something mental, I'm sure, but. Well, I I, I I don't, you know, I used to work with them when I was one of the first sports psychologists in baseball at the Royals in 1990, and then I was hired again back in 2008 for four years. What what I think goes on is it's a long season, and you get into these ruts and you get into these highs, but I know, I don't know anybody there now, but I know the coaches that I worked with when I was there, they just kept working on executing, what I've been talking about, they kept working on executing. Work, working on their skills. And eventually, you know, at some point, things are going to work out. I mean, when you play 162 games, anything can happen. And it doesn't matter who you're playing. Yeah, it's Tampa, the best team in, in baseball right now. And the Royals have, have won two against them here. But, you know, they're, they're major league players. They're there because they're, they have the skills. Now, granted, this team is, you know, skill-wise, is not as good as Tampa Bay or the Angels or whoever. But... They're still Major League Baseball players. They still have the mindsets of, of being successful. That's why they're there. So I think what's happening is, as the year goes on, they keep working and working on things, and eventually things can you know will start to get better. That opportunity is there if they keep working on it, and that's where mentally they have to do that. But if they if they don't, Jerry, they're just going to keep losing. My my last comment. It's real quick. I almost gave up. After two innings, they gave up two runs, then they gave up two more runs, and I turned it back to WHB because I wanted to hear that instead of listening to bad baseball. But for some reason, I wanted to put it back on there, and when I did, it was at the bottom of the third inning, and it was 4-3. to three. Well, Jerry, we got to let you go here, but listen, thanks for calling in. But the deal is this. It's a nine-inning game. Anything can happen. You keep playing to the end. They play to the end. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you enjoy the show. Our shows are podcasted everywhere. Go to my website, winnersandlimited.com. You can always reach me at my office, 816-561-5556. Send me an email at drj at winnersandlimited.com. Take care. Have a safe week. We'll talk to you next Sunday here in Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHP.